All right, well, welcome everyone. My name is Tom Miller, and I am the owner of a charter school consulting company called Leaders Building Leaders. And some of you I've had the uh, privilege of working with or meeting with. Um, so we're really excited to have you on this call today. This our Exceptional Children's Team Collaborative. And uh, this is near and dear to my heart because I am a nationally board certified exceptional Exceptional Children's um, Educator, ages three through 21. That was my massive um, uh, spot. I'm not sure exactly what I'm nationally board certified in, but it's an exceptional children piece. And so um, it was when I really thought about, like in this environment, when I was in New Hanover County and I was a self-contained teacher, what would that, you know, what would that look like, you know, for my students right now? What would now look like for them? And most of those students are, high school now or even graduated you know college if they went to at this point um but all in my mind all that i could think about is how would i be serving nonverbal, self-contained autism students in this covid19 you know quarantine which you know uh my uh, teaching partner katie reidenauer who is here with us and i and uh, rhonda dillingham who's the um the uh, executive director of the North Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools were like, what are we doing for EC? Because every Thursday we have a call with all the principals um, who want to uh, participate in a collaborative call. And we keep on thinking about students with disabilities as a constant part of the conversation. How are they being served? So Katie and I participated in a webinar through NAXA about 10 days ago. And I was like, God, that was just such kill and drill. It was a lot of good information, but what do I do with it? So what we decided to do is to is to invite you uh, to be part of the call, but we but we're not going to speak. It's going to be people who are in the field, leaders in the field who are actually delivering services that are going to do the bulk of this call. Uh, so we've got three great leaders uh, for you: Jennifer Snyder from the Vision Science Academy, Lily Floyd from the the Institute of Development for Young Leaders in Durham. And then we've got Lori Lors uh, from Harvard Academy. So three different regions of the state, uh, all here to serve you. And then we've got some special guests as well coming up after them. So I'm gonna give uh, my partner here, uh, Katie Ridenauer and um, Rhonda Dillingham, just 60 seconds to share who they are so you know who those hosts are. And then I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Jennifer Snyder and, and so if, if you can mute yourselves on your side, everybody else, everybody's coming in here quickly. We've got 35 uh, folks on. We're just trying to make sure that we stay safe and secure and everybody can hear. So keep mute on your side and there's a chat box uh, for you. But after the presenters speak, we'll try to open it up for some more actual Q&A if you want to share. So Katie, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone, Katie Ridenauer, and I, you know, Tom's my business partner, and I get to work with charter school leaders and charter school teachers to make the ideas in their head come to reality. So whether it's a, a grant to, you know, go after a grant or write a charter school application or do some training or coaching, uh, that's, that's what I have the great privilege to do every single day. Happy to be here. Hey awesome. everybody. Thank you. Yep. Good, uh, Rhonda. All right. Good afternoon. Rhonda Dillingham with the North Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools and celebrating my third year as executive director of the association. I'm really excited about that and shocked. Time flies when you're having fun. So uh, our mission is to support 
support education for students in North Carolina through successful charter schools. And we do that based on three pillars, education, support, and advocacy. So everything I do, I filter through those three lenses and I'm here to serve. And I'm, you know, when Katie and I started talking about this, we weren't even sure that anybody would be interested in uh, a call for EC topics, but turns out we were wrong and I'm glad. So I don't have anything else to add at this point. I think it's really important that we give the experts time to speak. So I'm just here to learn. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Rhonda, for all you do. So any advocacy aspect, right? You know, what you're learning about equity and opportunity and, and how, you know, EC uh, students are funded in North Carolina, like we need to funnel those types of comments and questions towards the association because they're the ones out there help, um, you know, battling for us and they're battling for our children uh, to make sure that we have better opportunities. So I'm going to introduce uh, our first speaker. I'm going to bring her. She did a, she's, she's over uh, qualified for this because she actually created a, um, a little PowerPoint and everything for us. So, Jennifer, I'm going to let you go. Everybody can see the screen now here. So Jennifer Schneider from the Envision Science Academy. You just let me know um, when you're ready. Okay, I'm ready, Tom. Thank you so much. So just a little bit about myself. I am Jen Snyder. I'm the EC Director at Envision Science Academy. Um, this is my fifth year in that role. It's our sixth year um, opening up. I had been with Envision um, five and a half years, so I started mid-year in the first year. Uh, but I was an EC teacher in Wake County Public Schools prior to going to the charter realm. But I do want to give you a little bit of background about Envision Science Academy first and what we're doing as our core instruction, because I think that's important for you to know when we think about how we're supporting our EC students. Um, as well. So we are a K-8 charter school in Wake Forest. We're focused on engineering, um, the engineering design process, and we integrate STEAM into that. Um, so we've created two kind of separate plans, um, but they're cohesive plans. They're consistent between our lower school and our upper school, but they are different because our students' needs and abilities are very different in the lower school and the upper school. Um, in our lower school, for the core classes, the teachers have created choice boards for the students. Um, on the choice board, we have asked that students have some time in iReady, both for reading and for math, that they're doing some reading logs daily um, to keep their stamina with reading. And then we've also integrated the Seesaw platform that they're already familiar with in terms of activities and providing that kind of differentiation for students. Um, in addition to that, for our core classes, students are still receiving specials instruction as well. They have a weekly choice board for specials um, and so that includes various activities for each of the areas and they have to pick one activity um, for each special during the week so they're still getting music art Mandarin steam and PE um, throughout the week which is great um, and that's for our lower school grades K through 4 for the upper school, um, the students are continuing with their Google Classrooms in each of the um, different core areas. We have moved to a Quivers framework, and you can kind of um, Google that and search what that is, but basically it's just a, a lesson plan kind of format template that helps students go through more inquiry-based learning um, independently since we are doing this virtual and more independent. Um, they also have an elective assignment, which is weekly. So their core assignments, they have something every day. Um, and then electives are a week long assignment or a lesson in the Google 
classroom format still. Again, we didn't want to introduce any new learning platforms for the students during this time. We wanted to go with what they're already familiar with to help with their independence. So that is just, um, in a nutshell, what we're doing right now, we do have an asynchronous format just because we wanted to the flexibility for our families and for the students. Um, we can't ensure equitability with um, what home life looks like for students right now, whether they're in childcare, whether they have a parent that's there to support them in their learning. And so in order to make that um, flexible for our students and for their different settings, we are doing this asynchronous. So nothing is timed. They don't have to log in at a certain time during the day. We just have kind of the outline checklist of tasks they need to do from day to day, week to week, um, and they can kind of do it when they're able to do it and when they have the support provided to them. Okay, Tom, if you'll go to the next slide. Um, in terms of NC um, DPI guidelines, I'm sure most of you probably have seen this. I'm not going through it in depth, but I did want to hit on just what we're kind of following. Um, DPI has mandated that um, we need to do something that it, we can't just sit back and do nothing as long as instruction is required of all students that we need to be able to support our students um, with disabilities during that time. Now if schools are closed for everybody um, and there's not any instruction required for you know, the whole um, student population, then we certainly don't need to provide any EC services during those times. But if you're like Envision and you're providing virtual um, assignments for all students that are required, then you need to provide some support. So you need to provide something that's individualized, that it's appropriate for those students and that it's reasonable um, to be implemented at home and in the settings that we're in. Um, and so again, just like we do day to day when we're in the classroom, we're making sure that what we're doing is meeting our students' needs, meeting their ability level. Um, it's not a minute for minute match though, or an hour for hour match, what is written into the IEP right now. We need to provide services that kind of match what your core instruction is doing. So since we've limited our core instruction from the typical six and a half hour day that we'd be face to face at school to more of a three hour format, we're looking at reducing our EC services to about 50% too. So um, just keep that in mind. It's not a minute for minute match, but you should be documenting what services you are providing because we will need to look at that when schools reopen to see if there's a need for any compensatory services. Um, so it is important to keep documenting what you're doing with those students. Um, at ESA, we're documenting it based on the goal area. So that way we can, when we do reopen and we meet back as a team, we can look at goal by goal where these students are, have they regressed, do we need to provide some compensatory education for them. Again, do something as long as it's reasonable and appropriate for students and that it follows the HIPAA and the FERPA regulations. All right, next slide. So our plan at ESA, um, there's a lot on this slide I know, and I'm going to talk um, a little bit about it and then give some um, opportunity for questions. Um, but our teachers are continuing to support the IEP accommodations and modifications as they are written and as they apply to both the choice boards in the lower school or the quivers model in the upper school. Um, each EC teacher has office hours just like our general education teachers have. Um, those are hours outside of how they're providing support to the students right now, but it's for parents to reach out to them it's for students to reach out to them it's for other regular ed teachers to reach out to them that need some support with accommodating students with disabilities um, we have provided guidelines to each of our EC teachers that each student should have at least 30 minutes of support per academic area so reading writing math um, behavior social emotional skills they should have 30 minutes per week documented of support and that support may vary based on student need but they need to have 30 minutes at this time documented 
and that goes for speech and OT. So we're also providing at least one 30 minute session of speech and OT for all students that currently have that as a related service. Our speech, OT, behavior and social emotional skills, we've decided need to take place live. They need to be virtual to continue that connection with the students, to have that rapport, um, to review strategies, to give the students an outlet to vent and talk about what's going on in this new setting that they're not used to. Um, but just to continue that connection and that rapport, it's so um, big for students to be able to see your face and, and interact with you more so than just providing a video um, to them, but that live kind of interactive piece. Um, the number of sessions right now depend on student needs. So we've set kind of that framework that each student should have at least one 30 minute block. But we have some students that teachers are meeting with every single day and we have some teachers, you know, that are meeting with them twice a week or just that one 30 minute block is enough for them. It needs to be individualized just like the IEPs are individualized while we're in the school setting. Um, we also meet as an EC team for PLC, and this includes our related service people, so our speech and our occupational therapist, um, as well as our admin. And we talk about, you know, EC needs just like the regular grade levels are meeting for PLC. We also attend the PLCs for the regular grade level so that we can be there to support them when they're creating the choice boards. Um, some examples of how our teachers are providing accommodations and modifications, um, teachers are reading aloud the the texts that are being provided to students and creating a video so that students can reference that when they're answering comprehension questions. They're creating graphic organizers or visual supports for students to understand the text. Um, they're reading aloud math assignments or math assessments and posting those videos so students can go back and pause or watch them at their leisure when they need them. Um, videos of strategies or visuals they've used to solve math problems all this year so far so that way they have that to reference because a lot of them don't have that visual notebook that they had in the classroom to be able to use right now at home. Um, again, we're doing virtual live sessions with students to go over the zones of regulation that we've used all year or any of those visual strategies that we've used all year. Um, and our related service staff, OT and speech, they're meeting and providing teletherapy to students um, based on what materials the students already have in their home. Um, and you know what resources they're able to do. I know speech has done some um, great things where she's actually reading a text aloud and they're sharing a text virtually and using that to kind of piggyback her language um, instruction on. So um, that was everything kind of really quick and in a nutshell, but if you have any questions, I feel like you know I've covered everything that we're doing right now and we're gonna change things a little bit after spring break to get a little bit more intensive so we can focus specifically on some remediation of skills, um, but that's what we're doing. No, that was great. And, and so you can put your question in the chat. I wrote down a couple, which I think you were looking at my pad, uh, Jennifer, because I was actually, I was like, oh, well, what, is a, what does a day look like? Or what's an example of how they're actually, you know, doing it, right? So well, let's get through this, the, the uh, three teacher leaders, and then we'll come with uh, questions, if that's okay with everybody. So keep your clarification questions right there. Um, Katie, are, are we good? Is there anything in the box that needs immediate attention? We are good. All right, perfect. So I'm going to bring on my friend Lily Floyd. So Lily, you should be able to unmute yourself from the IDYL school. So, you know, tell us a little bit about the school and about your population. Um, you know, Jennifer shared with us, they're a K-8 school in Wake Forest, mm -hmm. which is a, you know, pretty affluent uh, community. Um, and you have what, I think like uh, 500 kids, uh, Jennifer, or, or maybe 700, maybe I missed that part. We have 721 students, about 85 EC students. Okay, okay, so mm -hmm. right, right over the 10, 10, 10 11% mark. So mm -hmm. go ahead, Lily, you 
share a little bit about your school's dynamics and then tell us about your plan. So our school has about 330 students, give or take a little bit more. Hey, we have 40 EC students in total. Um, our, what we'll be doing this, is that better? It's, uh, it's going in and out for me. How about everybody else? Can every, is it the same or is it just um, me? Yeah, a little bit uh, in and out. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Is that better? Yep, try that. We'll see how okay. we go. All right, and um, so we have 40 EC kids all together. What we've been doing this week and last week is making sure kids have devices. Um, a lot of our students do not have computers really available to them. And so that has been a challenge of getting the devices to them. Our school has let out our personal devices to the students, but now we're running into other obstacles such as um, getting our students internet access. A lot of them did not already have that in place. And even with Spectrum doing the free advertisement for 60 days, they're now on a three to four week backlog trying to set that up. And so what we've been doing is running interference with that as well is because uh, we're making packets and delivering packets to our students to make sure that um, they are still getting the education that they need. And so we're not breaking anybody's faith. Um, along with that, I'm contacting students daily. I have some students that will contact me, especially the middle schoolers, through Zoom and uh, FaceTime and things like that. But with my younger ones that are kindergarten to third grade, I'm checking on them more, calling parents, seeing if they're running into any obstacles, see what I need to do to fix them. Because like I told Tom the other day, he's my principal, um, what we're running into day one, we're going to run into the same problem day five. So I need to start seeing what is out there, what problems do we have, and how can we fix them. Along with that, with my kids, with their social emotional, a lot of them are facing hunger issues. So on Monday, I went out to deliver packets and food to help them. So it's a different type of scenario. <laughs> Yes. When you, when you talk about the packets, Lily, can you talk about how you've, uh, you know, what, what work have you done to, to make sure maybe the work is closer uh, to a grade level or, or have you had any success with that yet? Like what's, you know, maybe been the best part so far? So the packets that they're getting are on grade level. So what I'm doing to help to accommodate them is offering my services through reading to them, um, going over the work, um, giving I don't have the really office hours per se. If a parent reaches out to me and if it's not 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm answering the phone. <laughs> Just because I know that my students and their parents don't have that regular eight to five jobs and whenever they can get to me, they are actually asking for help. So I'm making sure I'm available to them at all times. Um, and like I said, I'm doing virtual, FaceTime and um, calling individually to help them with their assignments because if they can't get their assignments done, it's no way I can implement my own assignments. Right. And now you're also co-teaching in the Google classrooms or at least, you know, uh, supporting teachers. Yes. That way, right? And how's and what's what's been your learning through that? I don't know how many people are using Google Classroom out there, but what has been your experience it's with the EC teacher world? It's going great. And also, we also implemented Lexia as well, just for EC. 
and for the lower grades. So that is still um, individualized because it goes off of their work, what they can do, and it, and it accommodates them and helps them fill in those gaps that they don't have already and try right. to help them that way. And so I look at that and I monitor their progress through that as well. And I don't think that the school had an agreement, a full agreement with, with Lexi. I think they opened up an opportunity for you all to get to this point, right? Do you, I don't know if you know a little bit more about that, but. Yeah, we purposely got it just for this per se, because we wanted to make sure that our EC population was still getting served and they're getting what they need and not overwhelmed by general ed assignments. Right. And if you didn't hear Lily at the beginning, you know, school in Durham, 360 students um, and with super majority, well over 90% free and free and reduced lunch, maybe even closer to 100. Uh, so it's a whole, you know, different yeah. ballgame trying to get access to food and uh, services and then who has internet and who doesn't. So they're still working through that. Um, one more thing, Lily, can you talk about uh, how the school has been, you know, tracking who has a who has a uh, device or who needs a device. I, I just noticed some Google Sheets you guys are using, so you can maybe talk about that. Yes, so uh, me and the, so, and the social emotional team have been working together and that's with our social worker and her team that we have at our school and we're daily, their parents are communicating with them and as me as well and teachers. So we're trying to figure out if, anything happens, we're making a Google Sheet. So we're all communicating into one Google Sheet of any problem. So if a child's device breaks that we give them, we're making sure they're getting a replacement or packets just to make sure that's working. Um, if it's a food need, we're making sure that we are um, current on that and making sure we're giving help to those students. Um, a lot of it times it's uh, helping the parents even learn Google Classroom and that whole dilemma <laughs> and setting that up. And so it's a lot of walking through one-on-one -on -one type of things with parents and students on a daily. Absolutely. Thanks, Lily. We will come back to you if we've got some questions for you. And then we got Lori Lores from Brevard Academy. Go ahead, Lori, and unmute yourself wherever you're at on the board here. All right, here I am. There you okay. go. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about your school and, and, and so, what you're doing. All right, Brevard Academy has a little bit over 400 students. We're close between uh, 45 and 50 students uh, identified with an IEP. So our caseloads are running about 10 to 13 per person. And then our speech therapist has a caseload of her own that's a bit larger than that. Um, but everyone is, you know, doing the best they can. We're trying to go under something is better than nothing include the parents and in all of the conversations that we have for the services we want to provide or their availability, uh, making sure that we are not adding to the undue stress of, of the new situations. And uh, we are providing direct services with the case managers of their own caseloads. And then the teachers are also supplementing. We're using Google Classroom for the regular ed classrooms and um, Seesaw for the younger grades, the K through two uses Seesaw. Uh, through that, the, the teachers or case managers are then co-teaching in those classrooms and providing the supplemental support as well as doing their own virtual meetings with uh, direct services. 
And that schedule can vary depending on the student and the individual needs and again, the parent availability. So all of those things have taken quite a bit of energy just to get in an agreement, excuse me, I think everybody's working from home, so everybody has that constant interruption here. So I love just what a couple of things, what I heard Lori say is there's a co-teaching model there uh, and they've got the parents really on board. And then, you know, Lily, you know, talked about how much communication she has with parents. So I want to, you know, definitely make sure we come back to Jennifer and see how she has best communicate with the parents. Go ahead, Lori, if you're good. Uh, so I think that we've had a really good, successful, this is our first week. We actually moved our spring break. So, you know, we had the first week after the announcement that the schools were going to close, and we used that as our, our teacher work days. We moved all of the whatever teacher work days were the remaining of the year. We moved them up to that week. We made the second week our spring break, which was last week. So that we actually had a little bit of two weeks to prepare and get ready for our virtual schooling because we had not done it before. People had to learn how to do the Google Classrooms. We had to you know, be able to make sure all of the parents or families had computers who needed computers. We had them available in our school. We, we already had a one-to-one -one system, so we were able to send computers home. Uh, some of the cable companies have offered free internet, so we've been able to fill in those gaps for those families and it looks like everybody that, at least for my kids, um, they have access. And that's the bigger part. And some of the kids that were so low, we have actually sent home, uh, you know, paper pencil type of materials and using the telephone or the virtual programming so that the, the parents aren't overwhelmed with the work being too hard when the kids really are low enough, too low to access the curriculum. So those have all been very positive, very beneficial. I think the parents are appreciative of whatever help we can provide. And uh, again, the parents have their own level of degree of competency. So we're just being as user-friendly and flexible as possible. And answering email, we all have office hours. Uh, we all are meeting virtually as our a department, as a school. We all have the Google Docs going around, who's heard from these students, who hasn't heard from these, and, and maybe making sure that every student has been identified as um, some contact uh, interaction starting their, their programs, and then just uh, you know making sure that somebody knows how to get a hold of someone in the family if we haven't heard from them. And really, it's a very relatively small, small number, but it seems to be working, and our case managers are enjoying the interactions. I love it. So here's, so here's what I would love to do. If we can give a shout out in a chat box, tell us where you're from, right? Where are you chatting from? And tell Lori and Jennifer Lilly whether they affirm something that you were already doing, uh, or if, you're, you, know, or if you uh, picked up something that you weren't doing that you could be doing or maybe what uh, questions do you have? So we're gonna give a couple minutes for the chat box to, to get some questions and then my teammate Katie is gonna help us field those. I have a couple myself, so thank you, Lori, so much uh, for that. I love the co-teaching aspect, so I'm really curious about that. 
So what I would love, I heard some different uh, models of the planning process. So can you, you know, maybe one or two of you or all of you, just, just take us through what the planning process looks like from lesson plan to actual like execution of your own direct services. So what, what does that look like? Also maybe in uh, conjunction of how you're helping the teacher provide better accommodations and uh, resources. So I'll open it up for whoever wants to talk about that first. Okay, well, I'll go. Uh, we really went through the IEPs to determine what, you know, we want the goals to be our focus for our services, our direct services. So uh, we're not doing minute to minute. We're, we're really just um, what the student needs. If there, are more, if there are students who actually need a little bit more, there might be a student who's gonna be meeting three times a week instead of one time a week. It just depends on the needs of the student. And um, the planning was, you know, we're, we're gonna do what, what's gonna help the student and really help the parent feel comfortable with what we're doing. So I think that communication with the parent has been the biggest, biggest piece for our benefit of the whole program. Yeah, Lori, and I was reading something on that uh, today and you know, everybody can harp on this. If you're modifying the services and you're having conversations with the parent, is that you, you're just documenting that, hey, here's what we agreed to do based upon a phone conversation or how's that working? Yes, that, that is exactly right. You, you know, the state has given us directives. We don't have to amend all of these IEPs. When the school schedule has been amended, we can also amend our service delivery. Great. And we're going by being practical and realistic. And some parents have said, you know, we don't even get home till six o'clock at night. I have a teacher doing some virtual meetings at seven o'clock at night to just help some of those and fluctuate with um, meeting those needs. Cool, thanks, Lori. Jennifer or Lily, you wanna, you wanna piggyback there? So our EC teachers are taking the choice boards and the assignments that are being given for core classes and they're going through and looking at um, the student, the services that we provided to students on campus and how we can match that. So like I said, for reading, there's a reading passage that's been posted. Um, either they're differentiating the passage down to a lower grade level if the student needs that. They are reading the passage aloud so that the student can focus on comprehending and not worrying about their reading deficits. Um, they are providing graphic organizers to help the student see how the characters are connected or how you know the plot comes about where the problem solution is. Um, for math, they are creating um, videos where they're actually modeling the process of working through the problems that they're working on, or they've provided a video with the demonic that they practiced for long division earlier in the year. So that's how we're kind of meeting the core content that's going out to students. We're um, breaking it down to see where our student needs are, what their goals are focused on, and then how we can um, apply that accommodation or modification for that assignment. Excellent. Thanks, Jennifer. Lily, anything else? I'm taking daily attendance, making sure my kids are showing up to Google Classroom on a daily. Uh, if not, checking in with them, seeing why they're not there or if they're not understanding the work. And I'm checking in with the teachers and making sure that the work is actually being completed and not just checked in and done correctly. So I'm doing a lot of follow-up with teachers and students and parents on a daily. I love it. Excellent. Um, Katie, what uh, questions? I see there's a bunch in there. So what's the, what's a go in that, that hits a lot of spots? Well, there have been a couple questions about co-teaching. They'd like more details about what that looks like. Well, 
for uh, Brevard Academy on the Google Classroom, there is a designation for co-teachers. So that teacher can be on at the same time as the, as the teacher and checking in on what all of the students are working on and then offering the supplemental support or accommodations that are needed throughout that um, roster of kids. Uh, if the teacher is doing a, a, a virtual meeting, then that special ed teacher is included in that process. Excellent. Okay, sounds Anybody good. Anybody else want to harp on that one? Yeah, that's good. All right, go ahead, Katie. Uh, so Tracy Riddle was wondering, if general ed is providing grade level material, what does the specially designed instruction look like in the packet? That's what I just use myself. Like I can't do, can't redo the packet, but I just make sure that they understand and chunk with them and go over the strategies with them one-on-one -on -one to make sure they understand and try to bring it down to their level. So what you're saying is that you don't actually change the packet, you take the packet and try to put it into smaller pieces so that the, it's, it's more appropriate for the child. Mm -hmm. and walk with them and walk through them and even read to them and make sure they're doing their unwrap strategies to help them with the chunking and understanding. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the hardest said challenges when you're sending low tech, you know, low tech uh, packets and you don't have, you know, everybody come at 10 a.m. It's hard, you know. Um, as a father of two, you know, two kids who are on grade level, I know how much time I'm spending supporting them uh, in the work. So, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of extra work I know on you all. So document, document, document the time and effort that you are putting into this. So Jennifer, do you have anything to share on that? Looked like you wanted to say. I was just going to add to the co-teaching piece that, you know, um, many of our EC teachers are co-teacher in the Google Classrooms. And so you can actually, in Google Classroom, assign certain uh, assignments or videos to certain students. It doesn't have to be for the whole class. So if you have students that need you to read aloud something, you can create that video and assign it to just the students that need it. Or if they need a video walking them through how to solve the problems, you can assign that to certain students. And so that's a lot of what our, our EC teachers are doing to support all students, not just the EC students. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that you guys are not alone. I'm reading through the chats and these are great. So if you haven't at least, you know, put a, um, you know, thank you or, you know, something you learned or something you affirmed, you know, please do to let these ladies know, you know, the work. But, um, you know, again, uh, PAVE Southeast having a hard time, you know, with, with just access, right? And so it looks like, I think, I think you said you, you use a dojo. Is it dojo that you're using? Yeah, dojo to put, you know, so, so finding ways to be able to communicate are so, you know, you know, are so important and, and uh, not to, don't think you have to constantly recreate the wheel, right? So right here, we've got 37, 38, you know, people and I'm happy if everybody's cool with it, I'll share your email addresses or you can drop them in the chat box or send each other messages. And, you know, because if it'd be great if everybody saw what education plans they have, because I saw here, I think it said, it might've been Boone, uh, uh, two uh, rivers talked about how the education plan was similar and that was helpful for her to hear right so the more we know about our mission-based education plans here as a school too we can find the exceptional children's program that kind of mimics ours and you guys can work uh, together because you know 
I've been telling, uh, you know, school leaders, I don't know if we're going back to school May 18th, right? So this could last a lot longer than we think. And so we have to be very, very prepared for that. So Katie, is there any more really good questions we can tackle? Because then I want to, I want to hop to Tracy and John when we can. Sure. So uh, Carmen from Capital Encore Academy, she said, I'm trying to figure out how to get related services to provide services mm -hmm. virtually. So it wasn't posed as a question, but it seems like a question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. It seems like everybody had that uh, going. So I would love to hear because I was curious about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So speech and OT can be provided over um, virtually on, on over the phone, especially for speech. They said they can provide that. And um, the good thing is Medicaid approved it as well for them to still get financing for that over for virtually uh, providing services because it was not the case before. And yours is a private, right, Lily? That it's a it's a it's an out it's not an inside um, you guys use it's a contract. Outside, yeah, yep. an outside contractor. Okay. How about you guys, Jen? So we are um, speech and OT are providing virtual live instruction through Google Hangouts. So we're a Google suite school. And so they're able to do that. It's one on one to um, meet FERPA um, guidelines for confidentiality. But they've taken the schedule when they would have met the student on campus and reached out to the parent during that kind of workday week that we had and reached out to the parents to say, hey, this is my availability. I'm willing to be flexible if this doesn't time doesn't work for you. But that's really the only thing that we have scheduled at a certain time as our speech and OT because they have so many students or so many schools that they have to meet with. And it's been you know effective for I would say 95% of our students. There's only one or two that have not been able to meet that time. Um, but they're able to provide at least one session. Speech is doing two sessions with some students. Um, our occupational therapists use the first um, kind of teletherapy um, session with their students to figure out what materials they had in their home available to be able to, um, you know, work through some of the skills, the motor skills that they needed, and use it as a kind of a collaboration with the parents, too. So that way, even when they're not having a session with the student, direct session, the parents can work with the student on some of those motor skills. So there's no regression there. Um, but they're following the same plan, and we're able to provide the funding for them to continue. That's great. How about you guys, Lori? Uh, we have a permanent staff for our speech pathologist, and she is using one-on-one um, -on -one sessions with Zoom and has been able to meet with all of her students. She's got her schedule is manageable enough to be able to work all four days a week. She actually just only works four days a week. And then our OT has just started uh, contacting families, and they'll be, uh, she'll be working with students one-on-one -on -one as well. How about... Um students who might be in the 90 day timeline. I haven't seen, in, you know, maybe there's been some, you know, support or communication about that. Has there been any uh, guidance yet? Yeah, so everything is, you know, everything is pretty much on hold because nobody can evaluate one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And so they've, they've ex you know, there is not necessarily an extended, it's just that at one point, I think everything will be forgiven. Uh, they don't want us to try and meet those deadlines when it's going to cause a family to be at risk. So we are, we are not evaluating any students and uh, I am treating my, I don't have a lot of numbers, but I am treating the kids that are in the process as though they qualified. And I, I am their case manager and I am checking in with them. And then if it turns out they don't qualify, then they just got some extra help along the way and that's, yeah, and that's what we're doing sorry 
Tom, there was information in uh, the Monday message about exactly what Lori was talking about, that anybody that's in the process of evaluation or reevaluation, that that's on hold. So as Lori said, they will figure out a way, the Department of Public Instruction, Exceptional Children's Division, how to deal with that when we do the indicator for timely um, uh, identification. So uh, that will be taken care of, but that did come out in Monday message. Um, yeah, this Monday, the 30th. Great. Hey, uh, Tracy Riddle, why don't you why don't you take the floor next? And John, we're gonna we're gonna put you in the back and um, go ahead and talk about who you are, Tracy. If you don't know Tracy Riddle, you lost. <laughs> if you do know Tracy Riddle, you know you lost someone that you could call in the uh, Department of Public Instruction every day, and she was gonna answer her phone. I'll say that about Tracy. Riddle. <laughs> um, well, that's true. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, Tracy wanted to share something that was on her mind that was important So to make sure you guys all heard it. So go ahead, Tracy. Well, and, and I want to say that yesterday, as many of you probably were involved in, um, Matt, our assistant exceptional children's director, uh, did a webinar for us regarding resources for specially designed instruction, particularly online. And whoever participated in that, they're going to send you a link directly to that resource. It's no longer available on the EC Division webpage, but it will be for everybody who participated in that um, webinar yesterday. And there are some incredibly great resources there. For, so for those of you that are struggling with how to provide specially designed instruction, you'll have that resource. Additionally, I think Jennifer and Lori and Lily all said this, what the Department of Public Instruction has said, Exceptional Children's Division is, something is better than nothing, um, but it has to be the best quality you can provide. So, you know, when you're thinking about what you're doing, it sounds like everybody has a great plan. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk with uh, Dustin um, Squibb, who's on, the, who's on the webinar right now, and they're doing amazing things at uh, Noose. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. What I wanted to talk about is, as you probably know, in the Monday message, they indicated that April 1 child count will not be done by us. The public school units will not be doing April 1 child count. So what they're going to do, as you saw in the, in the message, is they're going to take five years of data, December 1 and April 1, and figure out statistically what that April 1, 2020 count will look like. Now, if you're a new charter, they'll probably be in touch with you. If you don't have five years, uh, if you haven't been in, in business for five years, they'll figure it out. But they have guaranteed that it will not be less than this past April 1, 2019 child count. And you all know why that is critically important, because with April 1, when you're looking at state exceptional children's dollars, it's one to one. So, you know, for every child that's counted on April 1, that's where they come up with your base, your initial uh, allotment for EC. So that's critical. Um, while I'm on that same topic, also critical is when we come back to school for 20, 2021, and you get newly enrolled students, it's critical that you do the headcount, the Children with Disabilities Headcount Transfer System, so you get that additional state and federal dollars. Um, unfortunately, I looked at the new charters for this year, and of the 14 new charters, only eight did the Exceptional Children's Headcount Transfer System, Six did not, which, mean, which meant they didn't get any exceptional children's funding for those children. So those are just critical things. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the federal um, personnel 
report survey. Um, we have a number of, of charter schools that have not yet completed it. It was due on March 20th. They extended that due date till May 15th. If any Acadia charter school clients need help with it, I'm happy to provide that support. Um, it's really just looking at your personnel that worked with students with disabilities on December 1. I mean, that's the, the snapshot in time that they look at. So what you wanna do is look at um, full-time equivalents. So if anybody needs help with that, there's a great video that's available that Kelly Bloss did. And if anybody, uh, any of our Acadia schools charters need any support with that, um, I'm available. Um, I am working from uh, the office Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you can you know, reach me at the office, you can reach me via email. Um, but that um, personnel, that federal personnel uh, report survey is due by May 15th. The other quick thing I'm gonna mention because you all probably heard about it at the March Institute is the new EC grant system. So the IDEA 611 and 619 grant will be on a new grant system. Hopefully they'll introduce some of that at um, the virtual May regional meetings, but then hopefully they will have training over the summer, which means that the EC grant, which is typically opens on April 1 and is due by mid to late May, June, will be, um, obviously the dates will be changed. So um, don't worry about April 1 child count or um, starting the IDEA grants because those are all, the, the timelines are all different than they used to be. All right, Tracy, a couple of things here. Yeah, so you just like dropped giant bombs on the screen here. So hold on a second. So can you make sure, sure one, that you put your email address and contact information sure. so everybody knows who you are, no matter what, right? Because I know, and and I'll take the bullet for this. Sarah, I'll add, yeah, Sarah I'll said add it in there. One of Tracy's bosses said that anybody who's not an Acadia person who needs help during these times, that they will help. So let's That's make true. sure that we make sure that everybody got that and then we can find these resources that she's talking about, one. And two, I want to make sure you were talking about the time and effort sheet. Is that really like the time and effort sheet or is this? A no, 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 not, no. Um, but Tom, that's a great question. We're not talking about time and effort. We're not talking about personnel that are paid with federal dollars, although it sounds like we are because it's called the Federal Personnel Report. It really is what those persons, doesn't matter how they're paid, who work with students with disabilities. So for example, you have three exceptional children's teacher that work full-time with students with disabilities. Their full-time equivalent would be three. Let's say you have three speech-language pathologists who contract with you and they work 15 hours a week. Each of them works 15 hours a week. So when we figure that, that 45 hours on a 40-hour week, the FTE would be what, 1.25? My calculator's not on. So we're just looking at full-time equivalent for those people that work with students with disabilities. So let's take another example. If you do have a PE teacher who works with all students, they suggest that you use your percentage from the December 1 child counts, the percentage of students with disabilities. So say it was 9%. So for that EC, that PE teacher, the FTE for that PE teacher would be 0.09. Or let's say you have a guidance counselor who works with all students and your percentage of students with disabilities at your particular school is 11. Then your FTE for that person, that PE person would be 0.11. 
So that's what we're talking about, not time and effort, but the federal personnel report. And if they don't do it, what's the consequence? Oh, Kelly will be in touch with you if you don't do it. But, you know, I mean, I'm happy to help. And if you submitted it and you said, oh, my goodness, I did that completely wrong. I used whole people. You know, I put down that we had, you know, four PE teachers, whatever. Kelly said she'll take the, the most current submission as the final submission got it so is it it's tied tied to your funding in a sense or no it is it is and it's just looking at the federal government wants to see how many students work with students with disabilities so when you see say tied to funding you know it's looking at state funding federal funding local funding it's just looking at how many persons in your charter are working with students with disabilities and what's the full-time equivalent awesome all right Thank you, Tracy, for that. And we got uh, Tracy's contact in for, um, information in there. So last but not least, I'm going to introduce a friend of mine, John Samuel. And, and John, I met John through uh, Leadership Raleigh. And John is, um, he's an inspiring advocate who, who helps adults, uh, well, well, really individuals with any uh, like ability level find the job of their choice. All right. And um, so John helps organizations really kind of build their organizations to ensure that everybody can get a job. So most of the students that some of us work with uh, need someone like John when they get out into the workforce. So I wanted to invite John to just share real quickly who he is, what he does and, and why we feel your work is so is so important to the future. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh... Thank you, Tom. No, I mean, it's been amazing to, uh, to listen to all the discussion and to see what's being done. Um, as Tom said, my name is John Samuel. And as a uh, person who's blind and uh, to, to, to see what uh, schools are doing to prepare students during this, this time of uncertainty, it's amazing. You know, one of the things that, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're trying to do right now is to, you know, is to create employment for people with disabilities and in the knowledge economy. And one of the benefits I see of this whole, you know, uh, this whole pandemic that we're going through is that we're, we're moving more into a digital workforce. And for many people with disabilities, transportation has been the major uh, barrier that's hindered them from entering the workforce. And so as we prepare our students to work in a, you know, and be educated in a digital infrastructure, and, you know, my, my belief is that this is going to be a, a great thing in the long term for these, for these students uh, as they end up, uh, you know, after they, they finish up their, their school career and potentially look at careers as an option. So, you know, my team has primarily initially been focused on, you know, working on the accessibility, digital accessibility, removing that barrier. And, and, and that's where we initially started. But as we were looking at companies and trying to say, hey, how, what are you doing to make sure that people with disabilities can be included into your workforce? We realized that there's a lot more that has to be done with the culture and, 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 uh, and the preparedness that companies need to be thinking about. And so that's where we started moving into. But that's, there's two aspects of that. We need to be able to prepare the clients and the companies to be sure that they have disability inclusion as part of their disability and inclusion strategy but we also need to prepare the students. And so one of the things that we've now started to do is uh, develop uh, internship programs for students with disabilities so that they can have the work experience that they need to be able to uh, fill the skills gaps that companies are looking for. So 
I think that a lot of the work that y'all are doing right now is great. You know, our team works primarily with Zoom because we've been using Zoom for over a year now because Zoom is the most accessible uh, collaborative tool that we've been able to find. It's interesting to hear that several organizations are using, you know, Google Suite. Um, and I'd be interested in hearing, you know, the accessibility um, of those, those product tools because we know that a lot of students with, uh, who are blind, like myself, they face challenges with, with uh, Google Sheets or Google Docs. I'm really interested in learning more about how or uh, challenges that any of the uh, EC uh, teachers are having with this product with their students and if, if they are facing any accessibility issues. But uh, no, I'm just really, I'm really just, it's just amazing to hear what y'all are doing. And, and um, you know, our organization really is focused on creating employment opportunities for, for the disability community. And I'd love to see how we can support y'all in uh, preparing those opportunities for your students. Hey, John, what, what ages are the students uh, for the internship? Yeah, so the new, right now we're in talks with the Wake County Public School to, to get juniors and seniors um, those opportunities. So that's what we're looking at. But they only have 12, they've identified 12 potential candidates, but we would love to increase that number. And so if in the charter school system, if there's any juniors and seniors who they think would be a, a good candidate for this, we'd love to, love to hear. And would they have to live in Wake County or could they live anywhere across the state? Right now we're looking primarily in the Wake County, Durham County, uh, kind of in the, in the RTP area. Um, since the companies that we're looking at um, are, are primarily here. Awesome. And John, could your, could your team, uh, and you know, I might be bold here, could your team provide, you know, training to, you know, parents or teachers or anybody using, um, you know, a digital space right now or, or offer resources or, you know, what are some ways that, that, you know, we can start to get engaged with your organization now? Yeah. So, that's exactly what we're moving towards is, is helping with the assistive technology training, but also preparing, you know, uh, how do we use these collaborative tools to work with it? So yes, that's something we definitely would love to, to, to explore and work with individuals. We'll also share some best practices. I'll send that out to you, Tom. Uh, that's more on the digital side of making sure that your content's accessible and making sure documents and, and everything are, is, is accessible for the students so that you don't have that challenge. Yeah, thanks, John. And I don't know how many, you know, visually impaired students we may have, but as you know, John mentioned, it's, it's all persons of all, you know, of all abilities. And um, so I, you know, he's, we, I, I just recognize the work that, uh, you know, these uh, 30 or so, you know, leaders that came on this call today, first of all, to uh, volunteer an extra hour of their time, because you've already worked overtime today. I know that. Uh, but, you know, your job is so, is so important. And um, so what I would love to ask, um, you know, John, if you're able to put your information in the chat box too, you know, so maybe folks can send you a message, um, you know, sooner yeah. than uh, later, if they're interested, you know, uh, just in learning more. And um, is, is this, one, was this call useful? If this call was useful to you in any capacity, put a yes in the box, um, because we could continue it, right? Our team has, you know, committed to work with all organizations um, and 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 bring people together and uh, to have have these types of conversations, we probably didn't answer every question in there, um, but we answered a few, and I think we got more affirmations than that's what I was really hoping. I wanted people to hear that what other people were doing, so they would feel good about okay, we are doing that. 
that we're doing exactly what other people are doing. And uh, there's no FOMO, uh, you know, happening, right? You know, the fear of missing out. And then, you know, too, so if this time works, we could continue this time. We could do it weekly. We could do it bi-monthly. Um, so if you said, yes, go ahead and write, say, yep, I'm good Wednesday at three o'clock, or I would like every other Wednesday at three, and we'll send that back out. And, um, and what we would love is just, you know, what do you want to do on this call? Do you want to, do you want to model how you use Google Classroom? Do you want to, do you, do you want to model how you use Zoom? Or do you want to share a specific resource that has helped or, you know, a survey or, you know, I don't know, it's your call. It's not mine. Um, so if that's the case, then um, then yes, then we will let you guys constantly drive it. And then what we'll, we'll work with our advocacy team to make sure that they're hearing your messages. Um, this call was recorded. We're going to build a resource uh, page off of our website that's going to house the recording. Any resource that anybody shares with us and link will be there. Um, so these three things, you know, Kate, I don't know if you had anything else to add that I may have missed as we uh, finish up here, uh, right, right before the John Gower. Samuel had I was just going to add that the, um, you know, in that NAXA presentation, they had six key takeaways and we have hit every single one of them except for one. And it is do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And it sounds like that's what you all are doing. Um, I'm going to put the six in the chat box just if you want to see them written out. But these were the, the key takeaways for serving uh, children with special needs during yeah. this time. I love it that we nailed them all in that big, you know, NACSA organization brought in all those people. And we, we nailed it with our own folks. So these were my three, three uh, takeaways. None of you are alone in this. Everybody's, you know, battling the same battle, whether it's trying to get a parent to answer a call to, you know, uh, get a teacher uh, to, to help with the accommodation piece, you know, you're not alone. And so what I also heard was that the alignment of the education plan is really helping you now because you can continue that continuity that you've already provided. And last but not least, really focus on harmony over balance, right? Make sure you're taking care of yourselves first because you can't take care of anybody else if you are working yourselves to the bone and not taking this time to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more understanding, and, and really be uh, present for those who really need you. John just talked about it. Families need you so much because he's working with adults that like you guys are the foundation for what John's adults are trying to accomplish for the rest of your life. So always think about that. What will you say about me 30 years from now when you're trying to get a job <laughs> in uh, Wake County? So, all right. Love you all. Expect an email uh, with the recording and everything and some resources. So I'm going to unmute everybody. Okay, do you unmute everybody? Let's say, let's have a chance to say bye uh, to each other on the call and uh, have a wonderful day. Enjoy the other webinar that's right after ours from the state. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.